Thanks everyone for uh, joining me today. Uh, today's episode is episode two. Uh, I have Russell Nolte. Russell Nolte is a USA Today bestselling author. He is a comic creator. He is a coach. He is a, um, I mean, he's, he's, he, he's a publisher. He is, wears so many different hats and one of the reasons, and that's one of the reasons why uh, I wanted him uh, to talk to him today because he really is the walkie, walking embodiment of kind of um, the message of this podcast where it's, you know, don't try, uh, make it happen. So Russell, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome, man. And, you know, a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I'm on your um, email list or newsletter and, uh, you know, I highly recommend any anyone who's listening to this, this to get on it. And Russell shared um, kind of a story about uh, kind of his early days of creating. And I thought it would be, you know, really awesome, Russell, uh, if you could share that with us today. Sure. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's it was a story about how Ichabod Jones kind of went from uh, inception to uh, creation uh, and then basically has has dominated the last 10 years of my creative journey um, but it really goes further back than that because you know I, I I I've always wanted to do something creative and tell stories like I thought it was acting or directing or editing or being a cinematographer or, or something uh, something in that vein and uh, it it it, it it, it never crossed my mind to like not pursue that. So when I, I after I went to school, I went to school for broadcast journalism. I started making short films, and eventually we did a web series called Connections, which you can find on YouTube. And then I moved to LA, and during the editing process for that movie, which took seven years, you know, I I, uh, I directed some other stuff that fell apart. I directed a web uh, a, a a television pilot that really didn't go anywhere. And, uh, you know, I just, I just got really disillusioned with, with, uh, with the process of like making movies because it required so many people. And I was very interested in making visual storytelling with less people involved. And that's when my management team at the time asked me if I have ever thought about making comics. And, you know, I hadn't read comics in probably 15 years or so, um, probably since yeah middle school uh maybe high school uh maybe early high school um probably right around death of superman so i don't know i don't remember exactly when death of superman was but that's the last memory i have of like really collecting comics uh right around that time and then the rebirth and i thought it was so cool when they like he came back from the uh he came back from the dead and all the different superman and like i followed all of that stuff um that's really the big like memory that I have of, of, of comics was 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 that series of books. Yeah, I, I have a you know a similar story. I started uh, uh, Man of Sin, and after that first issue, I kickstarted. I, I got really lucky, and uh, uh, I got a literary manager out in Hollywood, and I, I spent two years like developing spec scripts and uh, different things out there, and I realized right away there not only does it take a long time, but you can make something and then no one ever sees it. And I got really disillusioned very quickly, much much like you did. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a little bit different if, like, they picked me a lot of money to do it. But, like, a lot of what, a lot of what people don't understand is that you do do specs and you work for Hollywood and like very few people are actually getting paid in that thing. And like, it's one of the most predatory industries that exists. Uh, so uh, I really wanted to like 
just do something that I could actually show my mother that I had made it because I had now been doing this for close to 10 years at that point. So 2004 to uh, 2010, six years. And like nothing had come of it. Like nothing had come for any of the movies. I had a couple of shorts that came out, but like very little fanfare for any of that stuff. And, uh, and I really wanted something tangible in my hand. And so when you, when your management team came to you and they were like, all right, uh, have you thought about comics? Was that something that you're like, okay, let's do that? Or did you hem and haw on that? Like, what what made you kind of go like, all right, I'm going to do this. Like, this is what we're going to do. So my management team kind of turned around and picked a big stack of indie books and just handed it to me and said, go read these. And I read them and I was like, wow, this looks like the art's great. Like, how much could this possibly have cost? Like, how much did this cost? Thinking that it was going to be like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And when they told me how much each book was made for, I like almost fell out of my seat and I was like well like this is what we're gonna do like I could make three really amazing comic book trades for the same price as like one very mediocre movie um, and I knew because I had spent roughly $30,000 on a I, I mean I, I, I don't like besmirching my own work uh, but it sure, certainly shouldn't have taken seven years to make this web series that we ended up coming out with and honestly I had finished both the first trade of Ichabod and the first trade of uh, of Katrina on top of that I had finished two novels and a children's book in the time it took to uh, edit this movie uh, so web series it started out as a movie but then we, when we finished it was like 56 minutes and I was like oh that's not a movie so it became a web series i was like this is a mediocre movie but like it's actually a pretty good web series because like the quality was quite high um and so so yeah i i I kind of immediately jumped in once i found out like how much it cost and so once so then was ichabod your first one or did you have something before ichabod i had one this is a funny story the book was called the wannabes and if you look at the wannabe press logo, it's actually the wannabe press from that wannabe's logo. The oh, that's wannabe, awesome. uh, is from that wannabe press logo. When I decided I, I finally had money to start uh, a company after I finished uh, did finish the Kickstarter for Ichabod, had just enough to incorporate a company name. And it just so happened that like I had this, uh, this thing and it was this great F you to publishers and it was a great sort of... Uh, uh, remembrance of where we started. So the first book was a Ashcan comic called uh, called uh, the Wannabes. It was about fake superheroes that get real superpowers. So like, imagine if cosplayers became the most powerful people in the world, and through that, they learned that all of the things that they were cosplaying, like all of like the fun parts, were like five percent of what superheroing was, and it was uh, like a lot harder than they ever imagined. And so I took that down in 2010 to Comic-Con and was roundly rejected from every publisher. Some laughed me out of the room. Some just said a flat no. Some said, why would we make a superhero book with you when we could just go to Marvel and DC and like they have superheroes? This is back in a time before they made superhero comics. Like Independence really just did not make superhero comics at all. Um, And so, yeah, I came home from Comic-Con and I said, well, if I'm not going to get if I'm gonna not, um, if I'm gonna not, uh, if I'm gonna get rejected from publishers, there we go. Uh, I'm gonna like do a really weird thing, because like, 
that then makes sense for me. Like, like, like this doesn't make sense. Like, this was such like an out of like, like it was a home run concept. I thought like it had all of checked all of the boxes and nobody wanted it. So it's like, well, I'm gonna go the other way now and like make something like so obscure and and so odd that like nobody could possibly publish it. Do you? So I just had a conversation with a, a another writer, and he he said that it's really difficult to get superhero books made or picked up or even any attention uh in the indie space it sounds like you kind of like that same experience or it's gotten a lot easier over time but when you think of like so comics is very much still based upon the let us just make this thing and hope that it breaks even or has a little bit of a profit and then movies will come along and save us and unfortunately there's not a lot of space for superheroes in the movie and tv game because of marvel and dc i'm not saying that there's none uh but it is quite a bit harder because of the space that marvel and dc um suck up to to uh to to make your mark in that world um but there's tons of cool independent comic superheroes which 10 years ago there just were not very many at all but they at least exist now yeah i i just you know i would i would think you know i don't have personally my writing style i don't have a superhero uh you know inclination i kind of do other things um but I, i would think it would be it would be harder for an indie guy like myself or you know uh, a peer of mine to to do superhero books j- because of the same thing um that you just said but there is a market for that right i i, I know a lot of guys who are really successful doing super in- independent superhero books so i just think that's in- like just an interesting thing that you had this this notion 10 years ago uh that you're like all right if i don't want to do superhero books i'm gonna do this other thing and that other thing was ichabod right yeah ichabod was well i, I went out with three pitches i went out with a book called paradise i went out with wannabes and then i went out with ichabod um for some reason i think i'm missing one but i i know for a fact like there was at least wannabes ichabod and um and uh and 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 paradise and i decided i would do like five to seven pages of each book then i would show them around and see what stuck and you know paradise is a is a nice book, but I think the art style it just does not lend itself to my style of like com- comedic action. Uh, it's quite a bit more uh, uh, dour uh, than I'm used to writing, and uh, like there was a lot of comedy in the pages of Paradise, and the style just does d- did not work for it. Um, and then there was Ichabod, and Ichabod, you know, is this like wide-eyed, innocent-looking mental patient. And uh, he like just he 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 was so lovingly brought to life by Renzo uh, Podesta, who draws the book and does everything besides write the book and then like sell it. He does sketches sketches to uh, to final letters. Uh, and uh, the, the interesting thing is when I went out with Ichabod, like I got a couple of offers. Really, was that they, they were generally not great offers. Um, but we did end up with a digital only contract from uh from viper comics and that sort of gave me the confidence to make this actually viper comics also gave me the confidence to make katrina hates the dead because like i thought i had a publisher in my corner 
Um, and so I did the whole thing. I did uh, signings at the uh, I, the next year. Uh, they got seventy five copies of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter, and they um they um they uh, uh got uh, like a at a table at San Diego, and I did a signing at San Diego, and then the book came out in two thousand and twelve, and it was uh you know it didn't it didn't burn up the charts for different reasons one of which the production schedule the release schedule just was not accurate to uh where we were building to but also i i just i i had that sort of like well the publisher's gonna handle it thing also i wasn't like pushing it as hard as i probably should have um uh and and uh and blah 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 other stuff but the book ended up not working out very well uh, for for either party and so um uh, and funny story, I went to Comic-Con that year, and uh, I looked for the Viper Comics booth, and what I found was a marshmallow shooter booth. Really? And I was like, well, this isn't good. Like, yeah. where's the Viper booth? Uh, and, and, like, they were like, oh, they sublet their, their their thing to us. And, like, now, like, they were doing marshmallow shooters. And I was like, this is not comics. Like, why are you in the independent comic section? Uh, so I figured that something was not great at that point. And uh, uh, I talked to them. Uh, they decided they 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 were considering printing uh, the book, the paperback of the book, but they chose not to. They said I could go to Kickstarter, and I was like, I'm not going to go to Kickstarter and like and and do a book that like you had like is your property. So like I, they were very nice, and they gave me the. The, the 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 rights back they gave me everything back thank god like very easily they gave all the stuff back to the book and so i am now in possession of all the rights um all the ancillary rights and everything and uh and yeah that's I a tricky s- thing those like uh those uh right re- uh is it right reversals no that's uh is that what it's called in the contract the, like, rights reversion is, is, reversion. is tricky um i still uh, you know, it's been ten years, and I still have a, a the con, the rights reversion letter in my folder for Ichabod, just in case, like I ever need it. Um, but yeah, and then 2014 came around, and uh, I decided I was going to go to Kickstarter. Uh, previously to that, I had finished Katrina Hates the Dead, and we shopped that to a publisher, and I went to San Diego Comic Con again in 2013, and we sold out of we had sold out of Ichabod, and we sold out of Katrina as well. And uh, I sort of the next year decided on my birthday I was going to do the Kickstarter thing because the second publisher. So like we were in 2013, we were with, we were like talking to this publisher in 2014. At some point, like it all fell apart again, and I was like, "Was this a different publisher or was this Viper? A different publisher?" Okay, yeah. And so I was like, "Look, this was like San Diego Comic Con 2014." I was like, I went to the publisher's booth and like was like, "What the heck, man?" And like it all fell apart, uh, and so after that, I was like, I'm I can't deal with this with publishers. So that's when I did the first uh, the the first run of Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter in 2014, and uh, we raised fifty five hundred dollars. I I had enough to print a thousand copies of the book, and had just enough left over. I had not paid I had not paid for the book at all. Like I I, I this was not paying for the production of the book. I had paid for that out of like funds that I that I had acquired from certain means and uh, and like pretty broke at that time actually. It sucked. Uh, but I uh, Yeah, but I bet I bet getting that Kickstarter fulfilled was was pretty awesome. 
I well, think. the Kickstarter was great because, like, I had made five grand in a month, and I was like, I didn't even know it was possible to make five grand in a month. It's easily the most that ever made in a month uh, on, on a company. I, I, I like a company before. I'd never made five grand in one month before, uh, even though I owned, like, four companies before that. I'd made it at a job, but I'd never made it, like, on my own thing. And so that's the thing that gave me hope. The fulfillment process was tough because it took – what uh, I, I needed people to be drawn into the book, and that ended up taking like three or four months to do. And then the books didn't, act, and then we had to deal with. So, here's a tip if you're ordering from China, uh, just if, if you don't place your order by the beginning of January, it will not get fulfilled until, May, until March because they basically take a month off. Um, of, of, of work and so they are f- th- like they're overbooked before then and when they come back they're overbooked in the middle of February they're basically overbooked and so it took it took like it took until May for me to get those books which sucked because it was like nine months it's nine months to fulfill and I, that's the longest it's ever taken me to fulfill a project before ever I, I feel you when I uh, kick started uh, Madison the graphic novel um, it took us a really long time for, you know, different reasons to get the book out. And it took about like nine months to get it fulfilled. And it was like, I just, I hated having to do that, but the only way we could get the book the way we wanted to, uh, was we had to slowly get that stuff done. And then one of the reasons too, was getting, uh, people drawn into the book, which was like, it takes a very long time sometimes. Yeah, that's why I won't do. If I someone pays to get drawn into a book, they will get drawn into a future issue, not the current issue. I just, but I didn't know that there was going to be more issues. I didn't think there was going to be more Ichabod. Uh, so after Ichabod got fulfilled, the literal next month I left my job, not for good reasons. Like I wasn't planning on it. I thought it would take me another like twelve to eighteen months to get like ready to leave my job. Um, so I basically left my job and, uh, I had a thousand copies of Ichabod and my friend had offered to let me sublet part of his booth at Comic-Con that year, um, for like $750, which knowing now, like how much like those booths cost, like I was like, I, I still cannot believe the favor that I was given from, uh, from them. And, and, uh, I'll always be indebted to the to them because that was my first i'd done a couple of conventions before then but that was my first like big convention and again like we had sold so like five thousand dollars of stuff in that one week and uh and was that at comic-con yeah san diego comic-con like uh so they give you some context like 750 dollars for a booth that booth was at least three thousand dollars and it was probably more like four thousand dollars at the time so like yeah that's a that's a good deal he did me a huge favor uh uh, and it's only every year after that i've realized how like more and more like what the favor i didn't know it at the time um so yeah so i spent that 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 first year was super hard but like between the shows and then we did a Katrina Kickstarter, and the Katrina Kickstarter did like almost nine grand, and that kind of got us between that and another company that I happened to own at the time, like we made forty grand, wow, like that's nice. that's like, good. like like gro- like gross, not net, and it was so hard. Uh, but we kind of had a model, and 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 that 
that year 2015 when we had our first slate like we were learning so much and uh and yeah and then 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 2016 uh, it was difficult in 2017 then then every every between 2015 and 2017 were the dark years and from 2017 to kind of like now um things have been like quite a bit better especially since we made the the, the, the move to hardcover for the books when you when you first started started out so when you when you kickstarted katrina is that when you started wannabe press your own publishing no i did that after ichabod because okay. i needed a logo for my for my gotcha uh, for the so, company. So you did that Ichabod and then Katrina came out on Wannabe. And so those like dark years, was that like you figuring out like how to market yourself, figuring out how to like do like all the things that you need to do to be successful? Like how did, how did all that just come about? Was it just like tons of learning and trial and error or was it just kind of, um, yeah, so figuring it out on your you own? Are, once you're, um, once you're in it, what I have learned is that like you have to make a plan and then execute that plan. You can't execute the plan in the middle. Like you can't plan while you're in the middle of execution. So um, that first year, I did not expect to leave my job. And so I was literally flailing, f- going to every show. I, I didn't have a plan because like I, I, I was trying to, to, to pick up shows wherever I could. Uh, like I had just like a couple hundred people on my mailing list. Um, and, and like, it was, it was, it was like, it it sucked. And it wasn't until December of that year when sort of the entire, the convention world stops. I own a Verizon dealership and like sort of the business to business Verizon dealership stuff stops. And so I could literally, I literally had no choice but to stop. And I could have, I was bitter about it for a little bit, but then I said, well, let's try and make this like a good, let's look back and analyze all the things that went bad and then let's make a plan for 2015. And so 2000 and uh, by the end of 2015, I had Ichabod um, and I was, I was literally printing uh, POD Ichabods at the beginning until May. So from January to May, I was printing POD copies of Ichabod for shows, even though I had these thousand copies coming. Um, and then I also had uh, Gumshoes, The Case of Madison's Father, and this book uh, called The Little Bird and the Little Worm, both of which I bought back from a print a prose publisher who, uh, who, uh, who, uh, who, who, who had the rights to both of those books. And so Ichabod, my mystery novel, and then my... Um, my uh, my uh, 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 kid's book made up the first slate of, of wannabe press, all stuff that I had had other publishers bought back and did myself. And it made me so much more money than that. Why and do you so think that I, Like the uh, publishers I, just, it's not on their radar? Or? Yeah, I mean, they were just like small publishers. Like, you know, you only get so much of the money. It was all, a lot of it was like based on profit, not net, not, not gross. So they would screw me with like how much the marketing costs and everything. That's why I tell people to never do, to never do net, to always do gross or nothing. Because like they can't screw you on gross. All they can say is we made this amount of money. Cool, I make this amount. Uh, certain publishers have told me that I make way less. Uh, you would make way less money that way if you had a hit, but like, th- there's no marketing cost. Um, like, 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 like th- there's no agreed upon marketing cost. They just can throw whatever marketing cost on you, and I just don't like working like that. So I'd rather take 
slightly to significantly less of guaranteed money that I know, like if this sells for 20, I'm making $2 on it. Then like gamble at like that, A, it's going to be a hit and B, if it is a hit, then like they're not going to screw you on the marketing side of it. That's yeah, that's true. I know, I know like when, when you're first starting out and like you're getting these contracts, like a lot of times you just want to just sign on the dotted line. So it's really important that you at least get someone a little bit more knowledgeable than you to at least look them over or read it. You shouldn't just sign, you know, sign your life away. And it's, you know, the, the fact that you got your rights back on some of those are, is like really important. Some publishers could have been like, absolutely not. Yeah, I think it helped that Ichabod like did hardly any business. I think I made nothing from Ichabod, honestly, like when it was with Viper. But I was willing to give it all away to like break into comics. Like Ichabod is funny now thinking about it, but like Ichabod was my um, I'm gonna I, I will give every dollar that I make of this away if it just breaks me into comics and has people taking me seriously. Um, and then Katrina was supposed to be the one that like really set the world on fire and. Funnily enough, that is exactly what happened. Like Katrina, when Katrina came out, it like doubled Ichabod sales right out the gate. Um, so, but 2015 was like you just don't know what you don't know. You know, a I was printing a lot of POD stuff. I was doing a lot of shows. I was doing a lot of shows that like were not profitable or barely that were that were barely profitable. They weren't. I've only done two unprofitable shows in my whole life, but. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they uh, like 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 you know they were barely profitable, and and I didn't have a lot of product. I only had the three books, and sometimes I would do original paintings. I would bring them to tables, and like I was doing all sorts of stuff, um, in two thousand and fifteen, uh, and 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 like that, and and but I I didn't know anything, right. so I was made there... this plan. No, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, Russell. But was there like an aha moment? I know you called it the dark years and then it got better. Was there a moment that it either like everything clicked or was there like a certain book that you published that kind of it went from I had no idea what I was like. You were like hustling, hustling, hustling. And then all of a sudden, uh, like you turn the corner. Like what was that turn the corner or that light bulb moment for you? Well, it was Monsters and Other Scary Shit in 2017. But what people don't understand about publishing or like really running a business is once you have the aha moment, it takes time to get all of those things in place. So 2000, once you had 2015, um, you know, I, uh, uh, and 2016, in the beginning of 2016, especially like we were, I, I, I was, I, I didn't have any, I, I, I had done now, 50 60 maybe 80 shows i think i did like 50 that first year and like 30 that second year so like i had done a lot of shows in 2015 and so when i sat down in december again um that's when i had my podcast and i was like well i really need to like figure out how to break through from people that know better than me and i can't do it at shows so like what if i had a podcast and i could just pepper people with questions and then just steal their best advice <laughs> so that was one i love it man uh, the second thing was uh, then I had a second slate of books. So I had uh, 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 Katrina and uh, God, I can't remember. I had a sketchbook that I had at the time, a book called Gherkin Boy and the Dollar of Destiny. Um, so now I had six books on my table in 2016. And uh, January of 2016, I ran a campaign for a book called My Father Didn't Kill Himself, which was a mystery novel to all the blog posts. 
and it tanked compared to Katrina. And that was really the most important project I probably had ever have, have ever launched because it a showed me that like just because I have people that back my projects doesn't mean they're going to back every project. And B, um, it, it, like it showed who did and didn't back the projects. And so I, I made sort of a a a a a a, a, a profile of all the people who backed the first three projects and i said what do these people have in common and that became melissa the wannabe and the rebellion like the basically the whole spirit and ethos of wannabe press and then i went to the people who didn't back uh, my father didn't kill himself but backed one of the first two projects and i said like what the hell i like i wasn't angry i was just like what is happening like what like please explain to me like, like, why you would not back one project. And they said, well, like, uh, it's not comics, and it's not monsters. And, like, those are the two things we really want. And, like, do that, and we're in. And so, you know, after that campaign, which was in January of 2016, I sort of knew who my perfect customer was. And I also knew, like, what would get the maximum exposure for me. And so I, I immediately put Pixie Dust into production, and that, but that took a year and a little over a year to get done. It was done sometime at the beginning of 2017, maybe the end of, no, the beginning of 2017. It was supposed to be first in 2017, but then the artist had a hand issue, and so we had to push it back. And, uh, and then the other thing that I put into production was an anthology, and I said, well, what if I, like, I, I had this list of hundreds of people that I really wanted to work with. And so I was like, what if I just, oh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm never going to work with that many people in my career because like the way that I work, mostly A, I work with artists who do their own lettering and do everything. So I'm really working with maybe one or two artists at a time. Um, at most, I'm working with five artists at a time. So like, I just knew that like through my whole career, maybe I would work with 10 artists, maybe a little bit higher if I did anthology pieces. But even with anthologies, I've got like a little stable of artists who I work with on anthology projects. And that that four or five people, I think that I maybe six or seven that I've ever worked with on anthology projects, and most of them I work with multiple times in a row. And so, uh, so I just knew I was never going to work with these people. And in knowing that, I, I I said, well, what if I do this anthology piece? People said they liked monsters and comics. So, like, what if I go and ask all of my friends who do, like, monster comics of any type, fantasy, sci-fi, horror, whatever, and just ask them if they wanted to be part of this book? And so I, I probably messaged, you know, close to 100, maybe 200 people. And of that, something like like 70 or so said that they would be in it and of that i got i think 40 pieces from some 50 creators something like that and uh and 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 my theory of the case was that like if i can get all of these people if i can get if they can all give me just a little bit three four five backers of like of their best fans like that is enough to like have a company, you know, that's 50 times, that's 150 like super backers, super fans who love the kind of stuff that Wannabe Press puts out. 
And then I, I, I hired Aaron Alexevich, who does all of our anthology covers. And he was like my number one because he's an artist from Invader Zim. And Serenity Rose is my favorite book I've ever done. And like it was very nerve wracking to ask him to do this cover. Uh, but it like kind of... If I could have, if I got him, I knew that like I could then make the case that people who like want to be press the logo would like my, my monsters and other scary shit, and they would like Pixie Dust, which is the book that we had coming right after that, and then they would probably like Ichabod or Katrina because they kind of all have a similar visual style. Katrina less so, and it's interesting because as time has gone on and the virtual visual style of, of wannabe press has become more cohesive, Katrina sales have gone down and down and down and down and down because it is the least analogous to all of the others. But at the time she was our most, our, our biggest star of the whole company. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. Now, uh, this, the cover artist, is he the one that does, um, uh, sees for, Cthul- or, uh, uh, Cthulhu's Cthulhu's hard to spell. spell yes. Yeah. yeah. That for anyone who hasn't, uh, and hasn't seen those covers. They are absolutely awesome, and and yeah, that's an so awesome great. that's an awesome name too. The dude was hard to spell. Like what an well, awesome name. Interestingly, I owe it to Tyler. Oh really? When his book "See Is for Cthulhu" came out, I was like, man, that book is hard to spell. Yeah, the name is hard to spell, and that like just stuck with me for like I think a year. Because nice. what happened after after my father after um. And Monsters and Other Scary Shit came out. It sat on my table like a rock, and like it, 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 it broke my whole career open because we raised like twenty seven thousand dollars on Kickstarter from six over six hundred backers. Um, you know, I, I uh, 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 like people started talking about me. People started asking me to be in their anthologies. They started asking me about how to make anthologies. All of these, all this stuff, started like coming out of the woodwork. And they were all like wonderful, uh, 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 like accolades. And then when we did, uh, uh, then then we did Pixie Dust, and exactly what I thought happened would happen. We did twenty five thousand dollars on this little book that had a visual style very similar to to Monsters and Other Scary Shit. But then in two thousand and eighteen, Monsters and Scary and Other Scary Shit got sat on my, finally went on my table, and nobody bought it. Really? What? No. Why do you think that is? Well, I asked. Oh, okay. Like I asked people, and I was like, "Well, what is wrong?" And they said, "Well, a, uh, my kids can't really read it because it says shit in the title and it's very violent. Um, the stories are a little bit too long. Like there's a bigger one to fifteen pages, and some of them, a lot of them, um, don't turn properly. So uh, when you do a book, all the all the stories should really start on the right-hand side of the page, and that didn't happen with monsters and other scary shit. Um, and you know, it, there was black and white in color, uh, uh, and the monsters theme was like very broad, and there was everything inside of it. So they said, "Please make like a tighter theme." So that is where our our biggest hit, Cthulhu is hard to spell, came from. Because I asked people what their favorite monster like genre was. Uh, or, or or creator or mythology was, and then I I filled the book with all of those people. I made it all color. I made it all ages appropriate, um, and like used but used the same principle. And then I was able to say, hey, if you liked monsters and other scary shit, here is this book that answers all of the questions that you had, or or, or does all of the things that you told me you didn't like, while not taking any of the things taking away any of the things that you did like. And that really, like, 
took us to the next level. And by the time we had Cthulhu is Hard to Spell, you know, we were then kind of rocking and rolling like we were, you know, th- then th- that was 2018. And, uh, and and since then, we've been able to kind of, I, I felt a little more stable in the kind of stuff that we put out. But that was, 2018 was like eight years since I started making comics. It was almost 15 years since I started making stuff for myself and uh, 12 years i guess and uh and yeah so and, and and it was it was a it was a long and arduous story to get to the place that we are today and that doesn't even include the nightmare that was 2019 to get like to here where we are and you know we're you know let's uh i'd love for you to talk about it because i think it's an awesome book this is the uh volume two right of ichabod like it's the this like the next kind of big chapter in ichabod correct yeah so five uh you know six years i guess this was 2019 so for five years people have been asking me what happens to ichabod um after the first volume and i'd always told them that i didn't know which was true like i knew it was a big fantasy world but i didn't know where to go with like ichabod jones monster hunter because like there's the definitive end after the fourth issue even though there's a little bit of a kicker after there, but mostly I didn't know how to keep the mind screw going for the for a series. You know, I mean, part of the thing that people love about Ichabod is that, you know, it's about a mental patient that escapes an asylum and becomes a monster hunter, but doesn't know if he's killing monstrous humans or it's all in his head the whole time. I, lo- I mean, I absolutely love that, just like that hook. Like, the, the unreliable narrator, I, I talked about this, you know, I'm, a, uh, I'm an English teacher by trade, and one of my favorite, you know... Um, favorite kind of genres or any you know any genre with an unreliable narrator just because it's so fun to talk about right like it's just it's just fun to do and so yeah, I, I just to talk about but you notice that there's not a lot of long-running unreliable narrator things that exist right? that is very true uh, they're usually one and dones or short and dones because as you expand out a world it becomes harder and harder and harder to keep that to keep people guessing about what's happening you want people to care about the characters. You want people to care about the story. And meanwhile, in the back of their head, you're kind of seeding that maybe this is all not real. And so it's it, Ichabod's easily the hardest book that I have to, to that, that I have to write because of that exact thing. Can, like it's hard it's hard for someone to be emotionally invested in something if they don't know it's real or not. Exactly. And so uh, that that has been a nightmare for this entire time of Ichabod, honestly. It, 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 but so for I didn't know. But the other thing is that, like, I was in the worst place of my whole life at that time of 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 of, of, uh, of making Ichabod. You know, I, I had I had very few friends. We had just at one point we moved to um, to. Uh, from where we came from in, in Marina del Rey down to Long Beach, and like we had to basically start over. Like uh, uh, it was, it was, it was a very, very, very tough time. And uh, you know, I was unemployed for almost the entirety of that time. It was the financial crisis, so like it, it, it was so hard. And I did not want to go back there. Like I just did not want to go back and inhabit the person that I would have to be to make that book. Is this now? For volume two, this is well. This is the six, the five years before I started making the second volume. Gotcha. And uh, and I I thought that like it was a one and done, but like 
a couple of things happened. You know, uh, I live in LA. My management team started getting traction with Ichabod, with showrunners and production companies, and they all we 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 attached a showrunner to the show, and he we talked about the overall dark fantasy vision of the show. But the book is very contained in the first volume. Um, it feels, I think, a little bit more like uh, Tremors meets The Walking Dead. Okay, yeah, yeah, I could um, see that. And 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 so when we went to pitch it, people were like, "I don't get it. Like, how are you getting that? How are you getting the show from what's on this page?" And so part of me wanted to like show like what was happening, but also in talking with showrunners and production companies i had to you have to pitch a show like you can't just pitch like ichabod you have to pitch like what the show is for five seasons and for pitching five seasons of show like the path forward for ichabod became clear to me like because i was talking about it so much that i was like oh my god like this is how you can continue the series from where it is right now because i had no idea and i finally had a light bulb moment and uh, it revolved around the idea of hope uh, there's this little string of hope through Ichabod, the first four issues, and like whether he can redeem himself and become a hero. And I decided that the way I could come back at it was a to make him this make it this big fantasy world, but also to count to uh to to like make sure that things get better throughout the story that like they really can affect change by 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 uh by um by doing like things like the, like I didn't want it to be like Walking Dead where like their things don't matter I wanted what they, what happened to them to really matter for the overall world as a whole and that you could really see that the world was improving um, and so when I had that and I had uh, uh, the, I, I, I credit the showrunner for my favorite character of the whole book who is Necromonica I have Necromonica the first wizard of the apocalypse I had a way to bring Ichabod back I had all of the pieces and then combine that with the fact that you know the first six months of 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 of, of 2019 were the worst launches I've ever done by a wide margin. Like I had spent twenty thousand dollars on this series of books, and they returned two grand. And like I mean seriously, like I was suicidal at like in like June of last year because like I just I thought that it was all over. Why did um, Why do you think they they did so poorly? If you don't mind me asking. Uh a combination of things um i i realized that the audience that i built they did not like the fact that i was launching them every three weeks like i was launching the books too too close together like and also i didn't do a great job of marketing them and they're not the kind of books that do well on Amazon. I had not done a Kickstarter for them, so I was just going on Amazon. And like mythological fantasy is just not the thing that like really sells well on Amazon, which I learned the very, 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 very hard way. It was not romance, it was not paranormal romance, and it was not mystery. So like it be- makes things very hard or space opera. There's a couple of genres that really do well on Amazon, uh, but most of them do not do well on Amazon. Like horror does horrible on Amazon. Um, uh, in most categories just do women's fiction, like you know literary like just a lot of things just don't do very well like by like throwing it on amazon and like doing a rapid release and like the way that they tell you to like you know that you can do well on amazon so 
I had no Man, idea. I did, I did not know. I did not know that that there were certain genres. That, I mean, obviously, when you say it, it makes sense. But I just wouldn't have thought like, you know, horror doesn't do well, or you know, that that what does well is you know only a certain subset of all the genres. It's a certain subset of genres. It's not even all of sci-fi. It's it's really like space opera sci-fi. It's some other genres that like work and like, some, but like they have to be big and robust enough that like people like want to buy in them and 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 you know you need a lot of sales a lot of sales like a lot of sales because most books are going to make a dollar maybe two dollars per sale so you need a you need a longer series usually um so you can keep running ads to it um but like you, you just need like a, a lot more sales than like i'd ever generated even in my best book you know, my best book made a thousand sales and like that would barely be enough to cover like the production costs of most books honestly when you take up out all of the costs for everything else so i was in a real 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 bad place in june or like in the middle of last year and um you know i decided to go back to first principles and one of those was like i was going to take all of the books off of amazon and I was going to repackage them and re-edit them and re-release them on Kickstarter as the Godsverse Chronicles, which, if you know my work at all, is like my most popular series at the moment. Yeah, it did really uh, well on. Um, it was a Kickstarter, right? And it's yeah, yeah almost ten thousand dollars. Well, that that series like made five times more in a week on Kickstarter than it did in a year on Amazon. Um, and then. Uh, so I, th that was step one. Step two was um, I, I was going to do... I wasn't planning on doing a second Monsters... I, I was kind of... The first two anthologies almost killed me because like they're so hard to do and manage and make work right and the responsibility you take on for both the creators to make sure they're, you're making money for them and from fans is astronomical. And so I, I, I wanted to find an editor, and I finally reached out to my friend Chris Simon and asked her if she would co-edit the anthology. I said, the only way I'm going to do this book again is if, like, you come on to edit this book with me. And she was lovely, and she agreed to come on. So I, I just put the second Cthulhu is Hard to Spell book, Cthulhu is Hard to Spell the Terrible Twos, into production. Um, again, that was step two because I was in such a bad place. And then we had just run out of Ichabod volume one or originally just Ichabod um, and people were up in arms about it that uh, that I could possibly think about um, discontinuing or putting Ichabod out of print uh, so isn't that I, funny I, that like the the Ichab Ichabod was something that you just kind of almost almost threw away is now people are demanding you make more of it's so funny because, like, I, while I have sold more of almost every book besides Ichabod, like, people respond to Ichabod the most. Like, it is easily the most beloved property of the books that I have, and which puts a lot of pressure on making it. <laughs> um, also, because uh, it's not just some, like, uh, some, like, action, this gonzo action adventure comedy horror fantasy thing. It's also, like, this thing that people love quite dearly. Um, but the, the third step was I said, if you can help me get the, get Ichabod volume one back in print 
and pay for the fifth issue to get printed, I will bring Ichabod back. I'll bring him back. Like I'll, I'll bring him back, and I'll give you at least volume two and three. And that's where and, we're at now, right? The the volume two is up and, on Kickstarter right now. Yes, and last well, last month, last year in September, I did a campaign that raised sixteen thousand dollars for Ichabod issue five, which got which got everything back in print. Um, and now, and 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 over the past year, I have finished with Renzo um, volume two, and we are about. 10 pages from finishing volume three and so um so uh based upon this campaign if it hits 20 i I have already sent renzo the script for volume four um and and when we hit twenty thousand dollars i'm going to green light him to do the script for that book and then we'll have four and four is an ending i'm not saying that it is the ending but Two and three are definitely not an ending. Like you, 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 you will want more after you read uh, volume two, and you'll definitely want more after reading volume three. But volume four has a satisfying ending, and it's almost as if volume one was a standalone, and then volume two, three, and four are like sort of in a coda. So maybe the first four are in a, co- a, a coda together. And then I'll probably continue that. And if I was were to do uh, five, six, seven, or eight, I would try and do like a coda there. But Ichabod is really hard. Like, I think I found a pretty clever way to con- to to continue it into it, volume five. But the idea that uh, the 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 hardest part is to keep the mind screwy there while making you care about the characters. And it's a very, very, very delicate balance, especially when you're when you're putting it over a time horizon as long as you know a continuing comic series is. Right. Yeah. I. You know. I. I can't wait to see kind of what happens. I'm a. I'm a fan of Ichabod myself, um, and a fan of that kind of unreliable narrator stuff. So I'm. I'm interested to see kind of where this story goes. Um, so I guess. Uh, we'll we'll wrap up here, man. I, I really appreciate your uh, your time with me, man. It was like super informative. I, I I loved every second of it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, if your fans want to see more Ichabod, they can go to russellnolte.com forward slash Ichabod Volume Two, or head on over to Ichabod uh, to uh, to uh, Kickstarter and just put in Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter, and the second volume should pop up. Awesome, man. Uh, I appreciate it, and uh, uh, thank you all for. Um, for joining us and I will see you guys next week.